2: Welcome along to the Rocky Road, Remind with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by an Irish boxing legend in Francis Barrett. Francie Barrett, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. It's nice to be on the show. Well, it's good to see you, good to talk to you. Um, Francie, the, the first thing anyone I told that I was going to be recording with you today is just people are asking, like, how is he? And what's Francie up to these, these days?
3: Well, I'm over and I'm over, I'm back from Ireland a lot. My kids live over here. And I, when I come over, I spend a couple of weeks over, and then I go back to Ireland. Uh, I give my hand, my, my flatter hand with the horses and that, and I'm just doing bits and pieces.
2: You know, don't gonna die with. It. Hmm. So, like where you are now is uh, is London. In London, yeah, I'm in London. Yeah, I'm all with my
3: kids. I decided to come over. I, I do spend five or six weeks when I'm over with them, and then I go home. You know, for a while, right. and then I'm back over again to sit.
2: And um, I've read pieces, I've read different articles which you over the years, and you're kind of working in the building trade, is it driving diggers, driving lorries and stuff like that?
3: No, but I was doing a bit of lorry driving with my brother for a while, and uh, uh, it, it, as I said, I do, I'd only be on for a few weeks, and then I'm gone back again. Right, and I get my my other hand, hand with the horses, mainly in Ireland. Yeah.
2: So are you keeping well? How's how's life?
3: Okay, yeah, Yeah, life is alright, life is really good.
2: You know,
3: once you've got your head, you've got your wealth, as they say.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. Because your brother, Coleman, had a scrape with coronavirus last year.
3: He did, yeah, he was very bad. He was very, very bad. I thought, to be honest, it was touch and go, he he was nearly a goner. But Coley's a big, strong man, you know. And uh, he pulled through it. He pulled through it then. He'd been fine ever since, thank God.
2: That's good, yeah. He hasn't had uh, much after effects then.
3: No, no, he hasn't had much after effects now. No. He's, he's Corley, Coley's the way Coley's always been, you know. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, he's a big, he's, you know, a big strong man. He he had, see, Coley had a, a damage lung you know, when he got that COVID. And that's what really hit Coley really hard. Uh, he, that's the reason why they thought that he was a goner because, Flung started, fluid started getting around the lung mm. and he had double pneumonia. So, lucky, Coley was very, very lucky to come out of it. But ever since then he's been fine ever since that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Francie, I'm sure most pe- sports fans in Ireland, you know, had you on, on on their mind last year when they saw that your old boxing coach, Chick Gillen, had passed away.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The poor old fella. You know, Chick got dementia five years ago and. I went down to the house to see him and I used to go back I used to see him fairly regular, and when I went to see him I started crying you know and you know to to see you know um, he was a very very religious chick was he was always uh, very very chatty but to see him in that state you know it it, you know brought a tear to the eye you know and his wife mine it was just uh, it it was just it was hard on her as well the poor thing and uh he was in the home for five years, uh, suffering, and that, that he was only suffering for five years with that dementia. And then he died there last February. Yeah, you know, that' all
2: last Yeah, year. it's horrible disease. I had an uncle die from it last year as well, and it's just terrible how it takes takes you away from your loved yeah. ones and 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 all the people who care about you, and no longer really you know you no longer know them or find kind of comfort from knowing them. But when's the last time you recall being able to be kind of ha- happy with them and? you know, before the the disease well, took hold?
3: Well, Liam McGrath, scratch films. Liam McGrath, when he directed Sofa at that time, and I did that one, The Blood of the Traveller, uh, about a couple of years ago, we were down at uh, his house, and he, he, was, he was showing the signs of, the, he was doing a lot of forget. you know, he was mm. talking about the old times, when he did that. And, you know, me and Liam noticed a lot, the poor old fella, now, with a good chat and, and Liam recorded a lot of uh, the stuff Chick was talking about the good times, you know, and you know, to see him go so so bad from there, it just—I'll be honest with you, Chick was like a father. He was like a father figure for me and my brothers. He was all—all all the traveller lads. Said, Chick, Chick was one in a million, you know. All the travellers that was living in, in, in Hillside, they all used to go to Chick. Call Chick. Chick used to cut their hair, you know. They absolutely all loved them, man. loved them. Then when we used to go on boxing tournaments, chickie and uh, we, my father would be driving the minibus, and the lads would be all laughing and joking, and we, you know, we'll crack we'll crack on the way up to the show. But on the way back down, the lads would start farting and fucking right to the balls in the back of the bus, and chickie just started laughing. Then he get a, a guy called John Paul Delaney. He said to John Paul, "Here, jump in the front here, and you sing." sing me a few songs John Paul was a, is a very very good singer and from say the likes of Johnny Donegal the whole way down to Galway uh, she could have John singing the whole <laughs> way down you know, you, brilliant brilliant time
2: you didn't sing a few tunes yourself Francie
3: I'll be honest uh, I was going to go for the X-Factor but I, I know I wouldn't get past <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> Carl Frampton says he's the best singer-boxer in the world I don't know would you be able to challenge him
3: Oh, would I be honest, I definitely would be able to chat because I've never sang.
2: Yeah, I think, um, I read before that chick, um, after Michael Carew won a gold medal in 92, you asked chick, can travellers box in the Olympics? And he says, yeah, you, not only will you box, you'll, you'll go to them in four years' time. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So I remember that chick, well, That night I was down the stadium and uh, I won the, 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 the Irish 5-4s and I said to chick, I said, you know, can travellers go to, to the Olympic Games and Jake said oh, of course they can he said in four years time he said the way you're going he says you're going to go there as well and you know that gave, that gave you a lot of motivation you know I wanted of you had a target and when you had a target I was I was a, a very very determined little bastard to be honest I was very very determined and no matter what, what I get my way I still have to do my training every single day you know I wanted to get to where I wanted to get you know I wasn't thinking about anything, only that. And Chick said to me, and when, when Chick come up, Chick couldn't hold the pads for you because he'd arthritis in his hands. But the knowledge, knowledge is more better. It's a lot better than actually training a fella. The knowledge of telling him, showing him what way to throw his punches. That's what Chick used to do. He'd show you what way to throw your punches. He'd show you what way to slip. You know, all of that stuff. That's, that's in there. And you just keep that in your head and you practice and practice and practice that. And that's what happened. You 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 come very, very determined. And that's what happened. I came like, really determined to get to where I wanted to get, you know. And in the Olympic Games, you know, it would have been nice to come back with a medal. but life is what it is, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, they often say if you want to turn professional, like you... If to have gone to an Olympic Games is one of the greatest tools you can have if you want to become a promotional success. And you were like, you, you told me before we came on recording about some of the nights at the stadium about how, how many people wanted to talk to you and how difficult it was to get through the crowds. And you really had for a couple of years there. Like, I mean, I was a young boxing fan in 96. You were probably the best the best boxer I thought there was and there was lots of kids around Ireland that thought, you know, for, Fra- for them, Francie Barrett was to be all and end all and even though you didn't get to the Olympic Games in two thousand, in, t- in the year 2000 at Sydney, you still had probably like huge support back in Ireland, didn't you?
3: Well, see, I was a young lad. came from nothing. You know, when I first started boxing, the first time I ever started boxing, I never, I never sparred or never trained me. The first time there was a priest that was over us, his name was Father Ned Crosby right Father Ned was over a lot of the travellers in, in, uh, in Hillside and Father Ned was going to a boxing tournament with Jake and Ennis. now I had never put on a pair of gloves in my life never never knew nothing really about boxing now there was a friend of mine called Willie and then there was another friend called Tom they were going and I said to Father Ned I said, can I go he says well have you got a pair of runners I says yeah he said have you got a shirt I says yeah he said, can you fight? I said, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we jumped into the bus and that's when I first met Chick. You know, Chick, uh, he had some fun with us on the way down, right? Telling us stories. When I went down there, bomb, uh Willie lost. bomb won. Yeah. And then I would, they, they put me up again, lad. They got to the Irish 70 finals. Yeah. I stopped him in the second round. You know, and I was only a small little fat fella. I stopped him in the second round and then Chick said to me that was on a Friday. He said on Monday night he said I want you down to the Boxing Club. He said he says uh, I'll start training you. And that's when it all kicked off. It you know? starts by It yeah. all kicked off from there. In the line of the stadium my popularity you know from I was very very determined. And when I used to box in the stadium there used to be big big crowds wanting to see you know wanting to see me fight. Yeah. And when I used to walk from one end of the stadium to the other end of the stadium, it would take over two hours. Two hours to get out to the exit. My brother used to be raging. But it will take two hours to go from one part of the stadium to the other. And my brother would be saying, will you tell that fella, hurry up. We want to get back down home. You know? But yeah. that's what Jane. am Even when my brother's boxed in the stadium, dormit, dormit, was very, very good. My brother John was good. Jimmy was good. My brother Richard, who's the youngest, very, very good. But our, out of all of my brothers, the most talented one are the whole lot of us, was my brother Dormish. He was very, very good. Even Chick loved him. Even the ones up in the stadium loved him. the style he had. But he just hadn't got the hunger. Same hunger as what I had. He hadn't got it. If he had to have that, there would have been, you know, two of us going to the likes of these places, you know, the likes of the Olympics and the
2: Europeans and all that, you know. But
3: yeah. the experience was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely
2: brilliant, you know. Yeah, no doubt about it. 25, 25 years ago this summer, Francie, can you believe that?
3: Yeah, time goes quick, do not it? Yeah, absolutely.
2: I, I remember. Like it was just uh, you
3: know. I, re- I remember like it was just uh, you know. The time the the time goes fast. I
2: tell you that. Yeah, no doubt about it, Francie. Today we're going to talk for our listeners about um, the kind of the professional career that's could have, you know you you won you won some you lost some you won a couple of titles in an eu title and a southern area title um for the popularity you had starting off you could have been a bigger attraction you know you had 20 professional contests and only one of them back home in ireland you know where you were like you were saying so popular uh among the crowd at the national stadium and i just know myself like you you know you were a big name to us as kids um, but we'll go, we'll go back to front and maybe just tell a few stories from your, professional, uh, co- from your professional career. So you made your pro debut in August of 2000 at the Wembley Conference Centre and you, you were after signing with Frank Warren. Why did you sign with Frank yeah. Warren?
3: He was the main promoter at the time. Uh, I was with Frank Warren for, for a couple of years. Uh, I, I went in each of my fights and then I boxed a lad called Ted Bambi. And blood you know and I know, know to this day I beat Ted Bambi no way did I lose that fight I beat out of six rounds I beat Ted Bambi by five rounds but he got the decision you know that was a yeah. fight that was one of the fights that I thought. he got the decision you know and it, it, it hit me but when I first went with Frank Warren I said to Frank Warren get me some fights in Ireland and I'll show you how popular I am you know I said, I'll fill stadiums. By doing the right, I said, I'll fill stadiums. I was looking at the likes of Ricky Hatton because I've not the i be Ricky Rick I was looking at that stage down the line to fight the likes of Ricky as a professional. That's what I really wanted. Well, it never came. Well, you know, what is, what is. But at the time, I said to Frank Warren, I said, stop bringing me back to Ireland. I said, put me on shows in Ireland. The National Stadium. And I said, place like that. I said, I show you a popular hand. But it never happened, you know. Yeah. And with with the likes of the, the the boxing, if it was back to the beginning of my career as a professional, I would have boxed in to welterweight. I uh, I struggled to make to welterweight, and over not having enough of the experience with dietitianists and all this, there's not there's all that stuff today you now. There's all diets, there's ways of doing diets. I me I used to starve myself for a couple of days to try to make the weight, as well as the training, you know, but Nowadays, you're stronger and you're still losing weight with these dietities, but we didn't have it that time. Yeah.
2: You know? Most of your fights took place in either Wembley Conference Centre or we York Hall, pretty close to where you were based in London. What was your setup? Who was training you? Yeah. Were you working full time at the time or were you, were you uh, basing yourself as a full time boxer? What was your setup like?
3: The setup was Louis Luigi was training me and I was working with Bar Hill. I was handing it. I was uh, digging uh, 30 meters a day, Uh, myself and Coley. uh, We were doing work for a company called Bar Hill. We were doing an Irish company from uh, Corwin and Dennis Cairn from Ucturrard. And we were doing 30 meters a day. So I'd get up at half five in the morning. I'd go out to work. I'd finish work at four o'clock. Be hand digging all day. You You know, between building BT boxes and, you know, putting out pipes in the ground, you had to hand dig 30 meters a day, put it that way. Mm. And then I finished that, and then at five o'clock I'd be in the box club at five o'clock. I'd finish training at uh, eight o'clock. But then that would be on a Monday, on a Tuesday at half four in the morning I'd go for a run, and then Tuesday evening I would do my training Tuesday evening. So I do my I was doing I was training six days a week, and I was working six days a week, you know. But it was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot of time. I don't know how I done.
2: Young family also. But I look
3: back you now. Young family as well. I don't know yeah. how it do you know, but, I, with the professional game, my problem was, trying to make the weight, and my skin, my eyes, my eyes started giving me trouble in the line of cuts. Now, I, I wouldn't have an any, I you know, I would, I would have gone further if my eyes hadn't given me trouble. And, in my last fight, I got a bad cut over the eye. And then, I just, as I walked down to the changing room, I said, that's it. I've had enough. You know, yeah. I, from, yeah. being up there, boxing is the love of your life. Yeah. But then in your last fight, what happened was I kind of got fed up of it because with the likes of Frank Warren, with the likes of McKenzie they didn't bring me back to where I wanted to go to show people, you know, my professional side. You know, I wanted the likes of McKenzie as well at that time. I said, bring me back to Ireland and I'll show you how popular I am. But it never happened. So then yeah. after a while, you get it. A bit just, You know, you get a bit fed up with this. And I just said, you know, I just, I was in love with the game. And then you followed the out in love after, after all these setbacks. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, of course. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role.
1: Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, maybe get, 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobilecom switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers.
2: your complete record there. You know, you made your debut August 2000 on a Joe Calzaghi bill. He's defending his, uh defending his WBO title against Omar Sheikha. In your second fight, I think you fought two or three, or you fought maybe four times in four months, but you had Ricky Hatton beaten Giuseppe Lairi on your second. Uh And, you know, Ricky Hatton's on the third bill as well. Um, You know, you're picking up wins. You're moving up the bill from being kind of like the first. Was it, was it tough to be the first opening guy at the start? You know, you're, you're a, you're a big name at home and now you're at the bottom of a bill where there might be ten fights on in the York Hall and you're starting the you're starting the events probably at five o'clock or six o'clock in the evening.
3: Well see the thing is I I I, I had a fairly good fan base as well around Wembley. Hmm. I used to sell a thousand tickets. You know. But you know, I, I didn't mind when I was on all I wanted was to fight. That's it. That's all I wanted. You know, let it be the first fight or let it be the last fight. I just want the fights. I said to one a couple of weeks. Uh, Frank said need to get me on regular you know what I mean yeah and uh, but it never happened you know that. that look at the pro game is a good game don't get me wrong but I think in my own uh, my own thinking I, I don't know uh, I, I probably could have gone further if you know things that uh, work out the way I wanted it to work out
2: you know did you get to know and meet many of the other boxers who were sharing the cars with you because I see like obviously I think you shared maybe three uh, bills with Ricky Hatton. Five uh, bills with uh, Carl Froch, including having him on your undercard. And in your ninth fight, I see um, Johnny Tapia. This is at the York Hall. Johnny Tapia box on that and he won by the first round stoppage. You beat uh, David Carlin on points over four. This is January the 19th, 2002. Did you, meet, did you get to meet Johnny Tapia at the time? I, I didn't really pay no heed to him, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> I know that,
3: that Johnny Tapia, yeah. I probably shook hands with him. Either. I was there one time with Wayne McCullough. I shook hands with Wayne McCullough as well. But I yeah. wanted to get in,
2: just get fighting and get out again. I see, Um, in your 10th fight, you, you moved out of London. You went to the Mountbatten Centre at Portsmouth and you beat David Kirk on points. Uh, it was actually only a day or two or three days, possibly, after Roy Keane left the Ireland squad in Saipan. Is, is that one that had. Um, did you have an interest in that sort of thing?
3: Football, Not <laughs> a
2: chance
3: <laughs> in the world. I fucking oh. hate the time I thought uh, was it Portsmouth was it Portsmouth or was it uh, Nottingham I think it was Nottingham
2: um, Nottingham was later Nottingham was let me see that was uh, June. Was dis-
3: where,
2: where was the tenth fight where was that tent fight was in Portsmouth Mountbatten centre David Kirk points oh yeah yeah I beat David Kirk points yeah
3: I beat him points that time
2: yeah and then, and I, I was just saying it was three days after Roy Keane left the team man. but that's not of interest to you whatsoever
3: I didn't know I didn't really know writing at the time you know because I didn't really know about football right I was never really I was never interested in football I didn't even read papers because I couldn't read I couldn't really read or write my reading was absolute shit you know and I didn't really read papers just I didn't even have a phone at the time just work work and boxing and that was it yeah you, you, know? didn't, have a, you didn't have a phone I didn't even have a phone at the time no
2: and um just, uh, okay. see you couldn't you couldn't read it right up to that state and ha- has that have you has that improved no. or is that just the way the way it is now? It's improved a bit. It's improved mm. a bit.
3: Yeah. But I was never I was never really good at school anyway. You know. I was uh, I was always an odd boy in
2: fuel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have box and found you. Uh, so after that 10 fight you left Frank Warren, I think, um, and you joined Mick Hennessy's uh, stable and by October two thousand two, a couple of months later. You're back, you you're backed into four rounders for a while or for one fight anyway, but you win on a McHennessy bill. Why did you leave Frank Warren after 10 fights? Did contract run out or what happened? The contract
3: wasn't really up. But after, after uh, fights just start slowing down and I, I wanted to fight regular and I just got fed up with Frank Warren and McHennessy seemed to be a better option at the time because Billy Cochran, who was a cousin of me, on. he was with me. McKennessey and you were hearing good stories about McKennessey and I said look I'll give McKennessey a try you know and uh, I, I I joined McKennessey I trained I still train with Louie Luigi but I used to go down sparring um, Lenny Doors and all and down and out with Rob McCracken and, and uh, Rob McCracken he, Rob McCracken said to me you know, he said he'd love to train me at the time because Rob McCracken thought I had a lot, a lot of potential but I was with Louie I was working and I was one of these. I was loyal. I didn't want to leave. You know what I mean? Um, But if I look back at my career now, I probably would have been better off if I had to go with more experienced trainers.
2: Yeah, and you see the the success McCracken has had with Carl Frotch and Anthony Joshua and the British uh, Olympic squad as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it looks like when you joined McKennessey, he was kind of grooming you for, you know, title shots at least, you know, because you had a... So you won your first... Uh, fight with Mick Hennessy against Darren Coville. then uh, two months later you beat Keith Jones and then John Honey for the Southern area like welterweight title uh, March to March the 5th 2003 at the York Hall 10 rounds first 10 rounds
3: right right the first 10 rounds I jumped from 4 rounds to 10 rounds the Mm -hmm. reason why that was I was supposed to do an 8 rounder and when I was due two weeks before I was supposed to do the 8 rounder I got sick I've got a bad, bad flu. So, I told McKenzie, I couldn't fight. I was sick, I was sick for over a week. After that, that show was over, the next show was, he said to me, he said, I've got to fight here for the Southern Area title. Do you want to take it? I said, of course. Now, I jumped straight from four rounds to ten rounds. You know, I went in and I boxed John Henney and even to this day, John Henney still thought he won the fight. Not a chance in hell. You know, uh, mm. I beat John ten rounds but it was a good fight. It was a very good fight. You know?
0: What yes. I said,
3: I, 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 for people to know, I just jumped straight from four rounds straight to ten rounds. You know?
2: How did you find the jump? Because that's where you wanted to be at that kind of closer to championship level.
3: Yeah, what I wanted, I wanted to do an the air but was from the eighth round onwards, oh, I'll tell you, you know, because I, I, I was a very, very pressure fighter. And the eighth round, I got my second win in the eighth round. The seventh round, I got a bit tired. And the eighth round, I got a bit tired, and in the ninth and tenth, I got my win back. But I was glad to jump from that, that, you know, from four from four rounds to a ten rounder, you know, because you get the experience by doing it that way. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, things were things might have been riding high then, and you're under you're on the up, but then you lose your next fight, May twenty seventh two thousand and three, in Dagenham. Uh, and it's against Silent Sahid. First round. And it's it's a cut yeah. eye, like, but it must have been devastating to have that, have that knockback.
3: Well, I went out for the fight in that fight. He's a small little black guy. And uh, I threw a couple of fast shots and he jumped in with the head and threw a hook at the one time. And the head banged off my head. And that's when the blood started squirting all over the place. It opened the eye up completely. And then the, 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 the referee looked at it. The fight was stopped. I'd say within a minute, of the first round, say two second minute, the fight was stopped. I took I took it very bad, you know. I took it very bad because you know I was looking at at fight for world titles after two or three years, but you know you sometimes you have these setbacks. But that's how I mainly lost was because of the kudai. You
2: know what I mean? Yeah but uh, like uh, your best days were still ahead of you you know you're you still uh, June 2nd 2004 now you're in Nottingham Arena, like you said and you get a European uh, EU light welterweight title shot previous owner is um, Junior Witter I think he was you know near the top of the bill and effectively it looks like you're if you win that fight I think Junior Witter on the night is fighting for the European the, the, the European version of the same title so it looks like you're being groomed to fight Junior Witter and uh it goes well. You win it. You win on points. 97, 94. 10 ninety-four, ten-round scrap.
3: Yeah, I think Gavin Down. Gavin Down was about five for ten for eleven. Big lad. But yeah, I beat I beat him handy. But to be honest, I wanted to fight Junior. I would have loved to fight Junior with her. I would have loved to fight Junior with her. You know, I even moved around with chair with a uh, collar lines and all that. I know right well the, the likes of these lads. The better the fighter was, the better I was going to be. To be honest with you, if you had to put a world champion in front of me. I would give him a good run for his money. You know, well, with, with Junior Witter, you know, that, uh, like, you yeah, old Brendan Ingle loved me. When he used to see me, he used to rob his arms around me. And he said to me, you're, you know, he said, you're a good fighter, France. You're a very good fighter. Because I beat a few Brendan Engel's lads." But I would have liked to fight Junior Witter. I would have had to get a chance to fight Junior Winter. I would have given him a really good fight. I possibly, I'd look at, I'd feel confident I've beaten him if I had to meet him. If I had to meet yeah. him, I, I very, very confident I could beat him. You know, Well, it is what it is. You know,
2: yeah. Well, uh, but at that at that stage, you've 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 won an EU lightweight title, which is you know seeing you destined to go on to bigger things. You defend it once uh, against uh, Alan Bosworth, win again on points. Uh, was it a problem that you weren't knocking enough fellas out though?
3: Well, it was, the problem was I think I wasn't sitting down on my punches enough. See, in the pro game, you have to slow down. And my thing was, it was all speed, fast combination, in and out, in and out. But I wasn't, I, I, as I said before and I said earlier, nowadays you've got these strength and conditioners and you've got these dietitians, and then doing weights. I've never done weights, never done weights in, in, in all my life. Never interested in weights, you know. And as a soaper, I was a sofa, but my main hand, where I write, I do everything is my right hand. I never... I, uh, my left hand, uh, it was always my right hand. Now, I'm down with sofa, but by right, I should be a left hand, but I'm not. I'm a sofa. But I've always done everything with my right hand. It's my main hand. But I started boxing with my right hand and I stuck that way. But, in uh, you know, the way I look at it is, it is what it is. You know, these things happen, you know. But that fight with Alan Bosworth, that was a good fight. That was a very good fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a very good fight. But uh, he, he came out in the first round. Came out first or second round, he threw a big wide swinger, caught me. I went down, and I got up, and I said to Alan Bosworth, and I said, I had planned out outbox Alan Bosworth all night. Then after, the, after that punch, I said to Alan Bosworth, I said, it's a fight you're going to have, it's a fight you're going to get. I went to, it to it over him. I broke his heart. I ended up breaking, breaking his heart over the 10 rounds. You know, because I went back into my own routine
2: of getting stuck in and fight, 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 fight. For your 19 contest, you find yourself, uh, February 19th, 2005, you find yourself boxing at the National Stadium in Dublin. Finally, 19 fights into your professional career. You're boxing in Dublin and in the stadium where you have supporters and fans and well-wishers and where you won titles all through your childhood. And um, it must have felt good to finally get back home.
3: I felt absolutely excited, you know. In the space, three days, in the space, three days, there was over 2,000, no, there was uh, seven or 800 tickets were sold. Ryan Peters gave me sixty, seven hundred 700 tickets. Boom, gone. You know, and I, I knew that. I knew that. I was absolutely delighted. Delighted to be back boxing at home. That, you know, it was, teams were looking up for me. They were looking up big time. And, you know, I was looking, I was looking forward to wanting, I wanted a boxing Ireland regular, you know. And, but things yeah. slowed down and, I don't know where my next fight was after that. Uh, I don't know where my next fight was after that. Yeah, but I was absolutely excited. I was excited to be fighting at home. You know, I know right well. I would have put in a lot of bums on seats. You know, and to be honest, and a big thanks to all the, the the supporters I've had throughout the years. Is that I wouldn't be where I am without them. You know, it was absolutely brilliant.
2: Because I'd say Irish boxing fans got a sense that there was some there's always so, there's always the next person coming along isn't there like you could be today's guy but tomorrow's guy is always coming up behind you and then so you have Bernard Dunn now is topping the bill against Jim Betts it's the first fight of the RTE deal which kind of you know sees Bernard Dunn go to be European champion and win that WBA crown against Ricardo Cordoba great days other boxers came along then after like Andy Lee John Duddy Matthew Macklin you know but why, why did you not have a? I, I know you lost your next contest. It's the eye injury again. Do you think had had that not happened, would you have yeah. been, have been Tonight, more of a part to, of that? To be honest
3: with you, if if I hadn't get the cut on the eye, if I hadn't get the cut on the eye, yeah, yeah, I I I would have been boxing. I would have been boxing for another couple of years. But when I got that cut on the eye, I got right really rightly fed up. Then I said, that's it. You know, enough is enough. It's just the eye opened up completely. The eye opened up completely. And I just, I just, uh, I got as I said, I got this hard with it. And that was it. I said, enough was enough. You know, I, I, my plan was, what I, I always wanted when I was, when I first went professional, was to fight regular in Ireland and start fighting, you know, winning world titles and fighting for world titles in Ireland. But these things, stuff like this happens for a reason. You know what I mean? And, when I got that chance to fight in Ireland, I was, that was there was more the most best, proudest moment that I could ever have in my professional career. It was it was top there fighting at home in the stadium. You know, absolutely brilliant. But you know, when when I got the cut in the, in the next fight, I said, you know, my thinking was, if I box again a couple of months time, it's going to open up again, and that's the reason why that was the main thing why I really gave it up. You know, but if I had if my eye had the cut. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would have on it for another
2: few years. Yeah, because like you look at it, you look at it now. You've got three losses in your career, and two of them are due to cut eyes. You know, it's it's completely forgivable. It's not as if you've been outclassed or beaten up by a guy. Just an accidental headbutt, or I don't know, maybe maybe intentional headbutt or whatever. But you've lost one contest on points. You said earlier in the show that you've you, you believe you won five of those rounds. Like you're at twenty eight years old. You did you have a lot more to give, or were you as one of those? as some of those boxers guess, uh, when they begin young, they're kind of nearly over the hill at 28. Were you, were you over the hill at 28? I had loads to give. I, I was just starting off my
3: career. It was more or less starting. I, I had a lot more. I had a lot, lot, lot more to give. Listen, to be honest with you, if, if as I said before, if I had to get the right training, the right looking after, you know, all of this stuff, you know, these things, I, have it for reading. I know 150%. I know 150%. I was good enough to win a world title. I knew it because I sparred top. I sparred a lot of the top pros uh, when I was uh, training. Do you know, and these I was going to different gyms, sparring Colin Lines, sparring different uh, Lenny Doors, sparring all them lads. Do you know, them lads couldn't touch me when I was in the ring. Do you know, my my. You know, I was in and out. As I said before, if if i had to probably make different decisions, I was young. Experience, but they make different... go with good trainers. You know, I probably I know right well. hundred and fifty percent, I would have probably come back with a world title. I tell you that now. I know it. I know it in my heart so because I was determined. You know, in all my in all my fights that I had, all the fights that went the distance, I won the biggest majority. There was only that setback, that one setback. When the longer the fight go, the better I got. You know, I was a fast a fast starter, but I was just getting into my groove when I packed it in. I just got, I got disheartened because I said as I was walking out to the change room, I said, that's it, it's, it's, enough is enough, you know, because my eyes, you know, with the eye open up all the time, you know, as I said earlier, if I was back again in my career, I would have boxed not well to it yeah. in the, as a professional because the reason why I'm saying that my skin wouldn't cut as, as easy but as my I to it, I struggled to make the weight. And a lot of time when the ski, your skin gets very light when you're trying to keep the weight down. You know? Because when I'd weigh in for a fight, I'd weigh in, bang on, uh, nine stone, 13 and three quarters. The night after the fight or the week after the fight, I'd be up in there 12 stone weight. You know? So it was just always was that fight. Then a couple of weeks after the fight was over, I'd be struggling to go for a jog. <laughs> My legs would be killing me. You know? Yeah. But I love. I loved every minute of it but as I said before and I say it again if I had to get the right looking after over there with the the promoters the managers yeah and I had to get a proper proper trainer yeah because I know right well I was good enough to win a world title you know Brendan Inglar, rest his soul, he said it to me he said to me he said Francis you're a very good fighter you're a very very good fighter he said I'd love to bring you up to Sheffield but at the time I was staying I was working in London I couldn't move up you know yeah
2: it is what it is you know what I mean yeah and there's not there's not much point playing the what ifs but I, I, I guess I'm interested to know your take on um, you know your your contemporaries the, the other the other guys around your weight division so one month after your final fight which was at the Equinox nightclub in Leicester Square you took on Joe uh, you took on Ivor Bonavi and it was a TKO two. so could cause by a head but eight or more stitches we'll, we'll, we'll park that now but one month later Ricky Hatton beats Kostya Tsu at Manchester to you know to, to become the absolute man at, at, the, at your weight division and in the States you, like, fights happen around that time where kind of like Arturo Gatti's in the picture and then Floyd Mayweather's in the picture as well, well maybe we can park Mayweather but how do you think you would have gone on against guys like maybe Ricky Hatton who you fought in the amateurs Arturo Gatti could you imagine Francie Barris versus Arturo Gatti or Mickey Ward, or be good- Shane Eary, or Eamon yeah. McGee, or any of these boys, but they'd be good fights, wouldn't they?
3: There was talk that time about myself and Shane Neary, and uh, there was talk about myself and Brian Brian McGee, Eamon uh, McGee. So there was talk. There was talk that time, but it never, uh, it never, it never came up. Uh, the time I boxed again, I had three fights the same week. I used to, I was like a uh, a fighting journeyman. I was fighting all over the place as an amateur. And uh, I had three fights the same week. And then the night before, chick said to me, he said, there's a good English kid coming over. Uh, he said, from England, he said, he's going to Derry. And he said, he's looking for an opponent. Do you want to box him? I said, yeah. He said, here's the money for the bus. He said, you meet Mickey Tlacken up there, he said, tomorrow. Anyway, I jumped on the bus next morning, six hours drive up to uh, up to Derry. And uh, I met Mickey Tlacken, Chad and Mickey Tlacken. That night, anyway, Ricky Hatton was there, and I went to shake his hand, he wouldn't check, man. I said, What the fuck is wrong with that, Rick? You know? And right cocky, he got. So, Mickey said to me, He said, He's supposed to be very good, this fellow. Well, I said, Let's see what he's like tomorrow night. Yeah? Anyway, next day, of the night the five was on, I hopped on the scale, and I was 61 kilos. Ricky had hopped on the scale, and he was 69 kilos. Yeah? So, Mickey Lacken said to me, and the English trainer said to me, he said, the English trainer said, he's a lot heavier than that. I said, I'm a year older than Ricky. But he said, he's a lot heavier than that. I said, yeah. I said, so what? I said, listen, lads. I said, I came the whole way in a bus. I said, six hours. I said, I came up here for a fight. And I, I'm not leaving here unless I have a fight. That's simple as that. <laughs> anyway, he said, OK, the fight is on. But I remember like it was yesterday, Ricky had come out with a pair of black boots, black shorts, and he bobbing away there. And I just got stuck straight up. And in the second round, I pushed him up against the ropes. And I just started smiling. I said, "It's a fight you know, boy. It's a fight you're going to get." And next, we went toe to toe. And uh, in the third round, I wobbled him three or four times. And I beat him. I beat him in every single round. I hammered the shit out of him in every single round. To be honest with you. And I went on, won the fight that night. He came up and shook hands with me afterwards. And he says, "He says you're a hardy bastard." Well, I said, "If you had a load of brothers like what I have." I'd definitely be a hardy bastard, you know. You anyway, uh, I was to fight him the month afterwards in Manchester, and he pulled out. And then in 1997, I went in at welterweight. He's weight into the British ABA's. He moved out to light welterweight. He won the ABA's at light welterweight, and I won the ABA's at welterweight at the uh, 97. But in the line of me top guys, I, 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 listen. The time I went to Olympic Games, before I went to Libby Games, there was a thing on called the, the Pre Olympics. It's a trials, And I was uh, only 18 at the time. And I fought this guy from Turkey. I went with Mickey Tackin. There was a couple of us went there. The Irish amateur boxing team wanted to see how I get on. Right? This is my second international as a senior. Yeah? And I boxed the world number two. And he beat me by three points. Yeah? The Cuban ended up beating him in the final. The Turkish guy. The Cuban ended up beating him in the final. And I know to this day, if I had to meet the Cuban in the Olympic Games in '96 in my first fight, I know in my heart and soul I was beating that Cuban. i tell you that now. Because whoever went in front of me that day, I know right well I had to beat that. So in the line of, to answer your question you said there a while ago, no matter who was put in front of me, let it be a world champion, That'll be two times world champion. I give him as good as I could give. I give him as good as he could as, as as good as I could give or he could give. I'd, you know, I go out there and I I'd, I'd make a good show on myself. You know what I mean? But the likes of, of the likes of fight Junior Waiter or fight with yet, a, I know right well. I I would have a very good fight. With I would have a very good fight with Evan McGee. I would have a very good fight with Shane Harry. All them boys I know would have a very good fight with. Him. But you no, know, life is what it is. You know.
2: Yeah, and uh, you're doing well now, though. L- life is good for you now. You're back and forth from Ireland to England. The family are all happy and healthy.
3: Yeah, the family's got a couple of grandkids now. Two grandkids, two little young lads. Oh, congratulations! So he'll, be, he'll be boxing a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. You know what age are they? He? My own, young he uh, there's one now. Uh, next week, he's one year old, and uh, the other fella, he's Frankie. He's my son Frankie's son Frankie. And then my, my, my daughter's son, PJ, Whitney, his name is PJ. PJ. is eight months old.
2: Right, so it's all new. This, uh, this grandfather nice. experience is life, new. Yeah.
3: Look, life is good, you know. Life is good, you know. That's I, great, great to hear. Congratulations on becoming a grandfather. Brilliant. I'd like to just say before I go off here, I'd like to thank all the fans that have had twelve years. You know, that the documentary that was made, so far, it's, uh, it, 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 you know, a lot of people this day keep texting me ask could you see it you know uh, it's you know life is good life
2: is good you know. yeah that's no, an incredible it's an incredible film i saw it like I don't know 10 probably saw it when it was on tv but I watched it again a couple of years ago and it was brilliant couldn't find it when i was looking to watch it ahead of this podcast but sure no harm Francie Barrs, olympic legend uh, boxing grace uh you know hero to many i'll let you go thanks you've got a van to fix there so i'll let you, I'll let you get back to it yeah.
3: well, yeah, okay, sound
2: good.